Hi, and welcome back to the Garm Decorators podcast with Target Transfers. Uh, my name's Andy. I'm joined today by Molly. Hello. And we're also very excited to be joined by a returning guest. Kelly Walters from Styles is joining us again, and she's coming with some really exciting stories to tell us about what it's like to be fusing on site at the NFL draft. So thank you very much for joining us, Kelly. Lovely to see you again. You too as well. So before we kind of get into the kind of ins and outs of what it's like to work at such a big event, because most of our listeners are in the UK, could you perhaps give us a little bit of a taste about just how big the NFL draft is and how important it is as a calendar event for an American? Oh my gosh. So um, I know that, so this was the first draft that I have ever attended. So I've only heard about previous experiences and events, right? And each draft is in a different city and um, they kind of do different, they do this event different each year. So with Kansas City, um, there were basically two different sections of the draft. So you had the main stage where you had to have VIP passes to actually get, you know, kind of up close and personal in those um, fan stands. You could say you could roam around on the outside, but once they hit capacity, they would not let anybody down and around that event. Then there's also what's called the fan experience, which was in a different part of Kansas City's area. And I say different part, meaning from the stage to where I was with uh, Hugo Boss, it was a 10 minute uphill walk. So not bad, but in terms of being close and everything being tight, it was kind of spread out in uh, from what I've heard from other uh, other draft experiences. So in the fan experience, that's where you had all of the food, um, more vendors popping up. You had um, dance stations, liquor stations. Uh, I think Bud Light had kind of like a top deck party house is the easiest way to explain it. Um, And then you had your apparel, you had games and uh, fun events for kids. There was a memorabilia area. And then they had a... Oh my gosh, it was like a pop art, um, a cardboard piece where you could put your head in of every single team. So, you know, adults, kids could go in there and put their head in a jersey and it looked like a full body. So just a lot of really fun experiences. And that part was actually free to get into. Mm -hmm. So I believe day one on Thursday, there was about 150,000 people there in that area. Um, Day one was definitely the busiest. Um, Day two was still definitely busy, but I know, um, you know, all the anticipation of day one and those first draft picks, you know, people want to be there on day one. Um, I do not remember what the total outcome of the event was but just day one alone was 150,000 people I can only imagine probably another 50,000 people came at least on Friday and then still some on Saturday making it up so it's a pretty cool experience um I would say some people travel to the the draft every year and then there's some people that can attend and go you know what I can say I did it I don't need to do it again or I'll do it again in 20 years kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
So it's yeah, it's, it's quite the event to go to for like, especially I imagine if you you know your team's going to get an early pick, it means you're going to be signing a best player because it's it's a bit different to how UK sports work. UK sports, I mean, for anyone that's not familiar with the draft, basically means if you go and play in college and if you're really good, yep. chances are people want to sign you. But the way it's decided is the worst teams in whichever sport is in get to pick first for the most part. Um, but obviously in this country, it's you might sign up for the academy of a, of a premiership football team and then maybe you'll go on to play with them or maybe someone will sign you from the academy for however much and then you go and play for them. But it's very much your contract is your contract and unless you just unless you're traded, you stay with that team. Yeah, it's a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more locked in that way. But so it's kind of that. It's essentially this is how your player is going to sign the best player is by getting them in the draft. And it's like the future, the next five years of an NFL fan's life depends on how well his two days go. It really does. And I mean, they invite a select few um, that would potentially get, you know, picked first to the draft. So if you're up for being drafted and you're in a certain category, then you get an invite to attend in person. Otherwise, um, you know, those uh, players will have huge parties, um, you know, at their home or an event space and fingers crossed that they get the phone call that, they've been drafted so yeah um, what are, what was it like because you're obviously quite local to the area where it was was held yep. this year what was it what was it like as a local having that such an event come into into your town you know everybody was um expecting to have this incredible community well first of all kansas city um, eats, breathes, sleeps kansas city so anything that's going on in kansas city Kansas Cityans love it. Uh, we wear Kansas City apparel. You represent sports. You represent the community. Um, so no matter what, we knew that this was going to be a massive turnout. But where I think there was a lot of um, unrealistic expectation was a lot of businesses expected, outside businesses expected this influx of traffic, right? Well, all of these people were staying down in the downtown area and a lot of their time was spent at the draft. So instead of going out and shopping or going out to other local businesses, you know, their, their time was spent at this event. And I know a couple people that I just at least heard on the news and just talking to friends that I have, you know, local businesses in the um, Kansas city area, they definitely expected um, higher revenue through that week. Um, But then there were also places that couldn't stay with the pace, but that was mainly for food or things within walking distance. So I think that was just a little different in terms of what their expectation was. But, you know, I mean, you got to kind of live through it to kind of get that uh, preparation and understand kind of like what that event will come it was a massive uh, all day fest, <laughs> you know, putting it, putting it uh, lightly was that it was a, a massive fest. So people that would go in may not have left that area. And because there were so many people, if you left a certain spot, there was no chance that they were going to let you back in because of capacity. So some people just kind of bet, you know, bit the bullet and that's where they hung out. So it, it was good. I think it was great to have um, 
you know, just people come to Kansas City, especially if you don't know where we are, we are smack dab in the middle of the United States. There's no beach. There's no mountain. <laughs> we get all four seasons. Um, so that's, you know, pretty wonderful, but we love barbecue and we've got really good steak if you're, if you're into meat, but, um, you know, other <laughs> than that, it's bringing people to the middle of America, I think is, is great just so people can experience what's actually here. But, um, you know, I think some businesses were actually pretty disappointed just because the traffic didn't spread out like they were hoping. Well, I suppose it's quite different if it was an event that would say, I don't know, like a concert or like a football game or you go to it for a few hours or even if you're there for the whole day, but you would kill some time before or after the event. Yep. Or, But like you just explained, because the draft is such a big deal and there's so much going on in one area, even though, like you said, it's like a 10-minute walk from one side to the other, it's all contained within that one area and that's why people are there. So there isn't really a reason to leave. And I, I can see how like the local businesses would have expected that to have been different different yeah um, but it's yeah you kind of I don't know like why like you said why would you leave if like if you don't there's no reason to I guess no. if you if you're traveling outside right if you are driving in or flying in because by golly there were people from everywhere um you're obviously going for that experience right now maybe you were planning on doing a several week you know several day weekend trip and one day you were at the draft and one day you were kind of around the city but if you are a lover of football i highly doubt that you were coming and then planning to go to uh you know the plaza which is an outdoor shopping a really nice outdoor shopping area in Kansas City mo to to do that, right? Like that may not be on the list unless you were going to hit that on the way home. So um, if they've got food, if they've got things to do, if they've got entertainment, why would you, why would you leave that area? Yeah, hundred percent. So one of the things we wanted to ask you about, because obviously this is, Styles has been the partner for the draft and the NFL and Nike for a long time now, I think over a decade, because it's, the way it reacts in such sort of high pressure situations. But um, I know that you were working in the Hugo Boss part for the most part, and we'll, we've got questions for you about that. But yeah. can you give us a bit of an idea of what what kind of the pressure is like for that kind of event printing being at the, the draft? Because it, it's one, you know, millions of people are going to watch this. So if that not, if that name's wonky when they get up on the stage with the jersey, it's, oh, it's a, I know. You know, a lot of pressure on there. So I didn't actually get to be behind the scenes um, doing the names and applications for those with the jerseys. But I can tell you, um, Caitlin, that is the project manager that uh, was actually in that atmosphere. Um, she is very meticulous and particular on how things are organized. Um, every player basically had their name and um, number or excuse me, just their name in all color variations. So at any point, if something needed to be pulled, then it was double checked, triple checked, and, you know, uh, very quickly applied in six to eight seconds. But um, I know there was a lot of testing <laughs> prior to, to that execution. Now, they had a certain amount of time, right, to fulfill one particular jersey. Where mine was an influx of orders that would coming that were coming in, um, interchangeable data, 
constant uh, resizing and different locations. So there was more to what goes where in making sure that I didn't damage, you know, somebody else's product where it wasn't just a video that I was doing where it's like, I know how to do this. It's okay. If it's slightly crooked, I can manipulate it on camera, you know, just like those, those particular moments. But in that, in that case, if it's wrong, <laughs> nobody wants to pay, uh, you know, a hundred dollars for a t-shirt with their name on it. And it just slightly be off. No, it's not a two pound guild and t-shirt either. Is it that you're doing it on? <laughs> yeah, you got it. But so it's, Go ahead. Tell us a bit about the the um, the, the sort of Hugo Boss experience because this is if anyone hasn't um, see, been watching on Instagram or uh, following the Styles DFC Instagram account, there's it's a big retail activation which is I think a new one for Styles and Hotronics, uh, but you know obviously it's a big brand and they were kind of had a variation of some of the teams that you could then customize as, as I understand. Yeah, that's correct. So Hugo Boss rebranded, I think about a year ago, I could be slightly off on the timeline, but they rebranded to basically Boss. So um, I would call it they they really modernized and um, brought in this this classic edge to apparel and their their designs. And what they did was started pairing up with the NFL. So they only had a certain amount of teams um, available at the draft for purchase. And then there's a whole other round that will be available in August. So not every team was available in our, um, it was a beautiful building, but it was like a a pop-up building. Um, So you kind of got a tease for Kansas City Apparel, uh, but their Kansas City Chiefs Apparel doesn't actually launch until August. So I think there were six different teams um, that were available there in their um, space. But then, you know, people can go on and order after the store. They just won't have that opportunity for customization. So they didn't have any of their, say, retail ready-to-wear pieces. It was all branded NFL, but then they had mannequins in the back that were branded with, you know, their accessories, denim shoes that you could go on and purchase later, which I think was great, but I know we had a ton of people wanting to buy clothes off the mannequins because <laughs> they wanted that look, right? They wanted that NFL piece plus the other piece that they had tied with it. And what sort of decorations were they allowed to put onto it? Was it like a, a touchpad where they could just, I want this, this, and this, and then it, you get a sheet and be like, okay, I've got to figure this one out. Yep. So it was all handwritten orders. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, and that actually worked out well because they had a copy we had a copy our copy went with their bag their item it gave me the ability to kind of double and triple check location um colors all of that now we started out with two color options there was a black and white draft tee um can you guys see me yep my computer just blacked out okay <laughs> so okay, we can uh, i was like this isn't good um they had a black with white writing draft tee and then they had a white tee with black writing so we tried to keep it very very simple where you had two color options of black and white and then from there 
you could only put initials because of any potential trademark issues or, um, you know, say a player had a particular last name and somebody else had that last name that they weren't branding their t-shirt with the player, you know, potential okay. player's last name. So we kept it to three initials. We did kind of branch out for some and do four for those that asked. And then we had um, some embroidered patches that we kind of used for um, embellishment pieces, you know, like sleeve uh, down at the hip placement um, left chest if they wanted to, but it was, uh, pieces that were also, um, on other Hugo Boss apparel. So it just really kind of gave them the ability to customize. Now the kicker was we decided to cut the chief's logo because you had all of these people coming in for chief's apparel and we had nothing. So on the spot, um, we got approval to cut the chief's logo so not only was I doing personalization, but I also started cutting the Chiefs logo and applying that to the draft shirts for those that wanted it. So there was a Chiefs option. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up overnighting a three-color, ultra-color max Chiefs logo. Um, so we weren't cutting and weeding more than what we needed. <laughs> I was going to be my next question because that's a that's time consuming. Even if you have even yeah. like the graphic cutters that are super speedy, like it's still a lot to do. Yeah, and where um, you know this was my first event like that where it was just go 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 go. It was myself. Um, my husband did uh, work to weed. He was weeding and removing <laughs> the excess. Um, so he was very happy to kind of be in that environment and help however, but, um, there were strict rules, which I agreed with that, you know, I was doing the cutting and the application, uh, just to make sure we didn't have any hiccups. Uh, Dustin does know how to use the heat press, but you know, in this particular situation, it was, it was me and only me. So, um, there, there were some moments of chaos. <laughs> that's, I think that's expected, um, especially in a very, very high traffic uh, environment. You know, this was at one time we had orders coming in at, at 10 of 10 at a time. It wasn't like an order was coming in and in a couple minutes, you know, five minutes later, another order, people were in line writing orders. So, what I really experienced was you would think two colors of black and white would be minimal, mm. but the kicker was you had one order that was black. The next order would come in and would be white. The next order would come back in and be black. So as you are not only cutting individual initials and logos for particular orders, now I'm changing out the material constantly. Wow. So um, on top of having some cutter issues. So it was just like, I learned a lot. Um, and now I definitely consider myself a uh, expert expert of working <laughs> events like that <laughs> and what to plan for. So yeah. it was a great experience and um, tenfold, I would do it again. <laughs> So which products were you using on site then? Talk us through the actual machines and materials that you had for everyone. Yeah, so uh, we were using um, the new SG, or the GS224 um, from Roland. Uh, 
which like you said, it, it cuts super, super quick. Um, but we had a little hiccup with the cutter um, not cutting in a particular spot. So I had to pay very close attention to where I was ganging up, um, you know, whatever our initials were. And I even started cutting things twice to make sure that I had a backup if for some reason we didn't get a full cut. Luckily, I had our team on the other end for about 45 minutes troubleshooting with me. But all in all, it was about two hours of technical issues where not only do I have the pressure to get these applications and everything correct, now it's I've got people checking in on their order, you know, what's going on, what's happening. And when you have one computer, one cutter, one press, everything kind of just came to a complete halt. So, um, you know, in, in that particular situation, we had a fusion, which worked great. It was, it, you know, kept it as cool as possible since for that press, it is uh, basically element over platen versus a clam shell. So um, I love the auto clam, but I will say it gets very, very hot with that uh, platen being, or excuse yeah. me, with that heating element being open and in your face. So the fusion worked great just because it kept that heat facing down to the ground versus at eye level. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we had a laptop specifically for that cutter, uh, just to kind of make it easy as possible. You weren't tempted when you got the ultra color max logos to be like, just give me a roll of A's, B's, C's and D's. <laughs> Free cut as well. Yes, I was. I was like, send them in because I'll just line them up this way. Yeah. And and I would I will say that there was a moment where I actually thought because we were just doing initials, that would have been much easier to have and to be able to pull. Where I think it would have been difficult, right, is how I was going to line them up, um, letting right. the cutter just cut them in line, weed and apply was super, super easy. But there were moments where I was like, there's got to be an, there's got to be an easier way. When in fact, day two, we were popping out orders in less than five minutes. So it was clear that uh, the delay in production was simply because of the two hour backup, not uh, not me. <laughs> it was the equipment. Yeah, that in there. <laughs> I was like, it wasn't me. I promise. But um, we were using sport film light, so that weeds like butter. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there was a little bit of tap to the carrier, but in terms of weeding, it was something you could just peel that excess material and uh, just keep moving pretty effortlessly. Plus, it's a lower temp than say something like thermofilm. Um, but you know, it, it worked great. We didn't have yeah. any any letters pop off. <laughs> and did you did you log on to the uh, IQ portal afterwards to see how many you'd, you'd done over the weekend? Or did you not want to know? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I didn't want to know, <laughs> but we had. I mean, I don't know how many order forms because we had two sets of notebooks going in terms of order taking. So they would write the order. There was a different cash register system. So I didn't do anything with the register. I basically stood behind the counter and I was the one that was then taking those orders, organizing them and going going from there. So I know at one point, I think we hit like 
178, one maybe 99 um, in terms of sheets. Not every single person did customization, but we ended up opening up to customization to sweatshirts, polos, other tees that they had. So um, originally we were going to go off specifically draft shirts. So, um, you know, if we had a 150 draft shirts and they all sold, then we would open up to other product, but it, it kind of became a, you want to decorate on it, then we'll get it done kind of situation. Well, then you've got a, then you've got the um, variable of change pressure between everything as well as having to change the colors, haven't you? Yes. And locations. And yeah. um, there were uh, some really, really cool details. And, you know, like this was, this was quality product. You could tell that this was not you know, a, a Gildan type of t-shirt. Yeah. So um, the feel, the, there were a couple of pieces that were sensitive um, just because of the spandex in them. Um, but, you know, the sweatshirts, they did some braiding on the sleeve. And if we were decorating on a sleeve, then we had to consider the braiding. Um, there were, we didn't have a pillow. So I was working with a couple of platens and, and working to, <laughs> to see how we could make some things work. But, um, you know, I don't think anybody, I didn't hear a single person go, oh my gosh, this is not what I wanted. They were just yeah. super happy when they got to completely customize. Um, I know for those that are listening, can't see it, but this is what one of the patches looked like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we were allowing that to go, wherever they wanted so it was cool it was a fun yeah. it was a fun time i bet that was a bit of a nightmare switching between platens though because like whenever we talk about efficiency with our customers we always say to them do like one transfer first then switch the temp up and do another set or do everything on the sleeve and then switch and do the back whereas i can just imagine <laughs> Kelly behind this booth literally like juggling platens left right and center <laughs> The amount of squats that I got in that day were insane. <laughs> Not to mention lifting those platens and uh, heavy. They, they are heavier, especially if you're hot and you're like doing a million and one things. Yeah. And, oh God. and it was um I'm drawing a, a brain fart if I had a tag along. I don't think I did. Um I think it was just the standard 16 by 20, but you know, 16 by 20, 6 by 10. Um, you know, those, those, it was just an up, down, <laughs> up, down situation. So my, uh, my Apple watch was very proud of my activity that day and I'll, I'll take that as a win. But was there a reason that you didn't have two presses with different or like two cutters, one for black and one for white and yeah, was there just not the space for it. Um, I think the biggest thing was space. So in, in this type of communication that Caitlin had, I know this was a, a quick kind of last minute opportunity. And when, you know, that arises, a lot of times they already have their space built out. Mm -hmm. Caitlin did everything in her power to make sure that um, they had the dimensions of the equipment that we had, because those fusion presses are not small, right? Like that's, that's a pretty hefty size. And especially with that swinging ability or the draw, that's more space that's needed. So I will tell you that I probably could have had um, a second 
cutter and that would have just made it so much more efficient. But what I ended up doing was as orders came in, I would put them in consecutive order. So if it was 23, 24, 25, obviously that would go in um, order, but then I would start going by colors. So if I had three orders of white, black, white, then that's that third order was going to bump in front of the black. That way I could do four or five white and then switch to the back. That way it was way more efficient. I wasn't changing the material every single order. And I also started cutting sheets out because I was found it was easier to pop in a sheet of material in and out versus putting a 50 yard roll on the back of the cutter and feeding it through. So there was more material waste than what I would have liked. However, I increased my um, efficiency uh, simply because I could pop in a sheet size. The other thing is we were doing three inch letters, right? Like this is very, very small in terms of space that's needed. So on a 20 inch, 50 yard roll, I just didn't need all of that. And um, it just killed my flow to being able to, you know, slide that roll in, feed it through the cutter. Instead, I was feeding it through the front, you know, adjusting it and moving, moving on that way. So you might almost even be better with like a cameo or so, or a cricket or something like that instead, perhaps, I guess. Yeah, I think the biggest, you know, hiccup in terms of the personalization of those, what program are you going to use? And I started with um, Roland's, you know, Cut Studio. And every single file I needed, I had to go in and create a new one. And that's where I found it became more of a hiccup because, again, I am very much a three steps, let's get it done type of person. And when it starts taking 10, I immediately try to find solutions to make steps, kiss it, right? Keep it simple. Um, and I, I had to adjust. So I ended up installing VectorCut and using CADWorks Live in this program because all I had to do was go back to the file I was using for CADWorks and adjust it and send it to the cutter versus opening up a new file continuously. So, you know, it was it's little things like that, that in the moment um, you think something's going to work and then maybe you have an epiphany that something would be more beneficial or easier and it worked. But then I had to get that installed on the computer and that was, another, that was another <laughs> way. but I will forever be a lover of CADWorks Live and VectorCut. I think it's just super, super, super insul uh, easy to use. Um, and you know what? It's uh, one of those things that if it makes my life easier, why not? <laughs> if it makes yeah. your life easier, why not? I think that kind of comes back to, I mean, we've, we've said this quite a few times, whenever we talk about vinyl is we always say that if you get, if you're going to go down the vinyl route and you get a cutter, you've got to try and break it first up. Cause that, but that means what that means is because you've, you do lots of vinyl projects for the styles channel and I'm sure yeah. you do, you're testing all the time anyway, but because you know the limitations or you have an idea of what could go wrong, yep. it means that when you're, then when you're at events and things do go wrong, you're like, okay, you're not just going to be like, panic 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 keep like okay well i know i know i can do something with that or i can do something with that or i can change this or that's probably this that's what that's going wrong and you can like okay, adjust and um adapt to the situation that way 
I love that you said you've got to try to break it because that is a hundred percent the truth, right? Like if you, how are you going to know the limitation of something or how are you going to know what you need to fix on the spot? Mm -hmm. If you haven't just dove into the equipment now, most of the time, if you break it, then you can fix it. But in, you know, with those cutters, they are so robust in terms of what they can handle and, and what they're really capable of. And even if you have an uh-oh moment where you're you're cutting through and it's cutting on the cutting strip, it's okay. Like just stop it, end it where it's at, and then reposition and and, and adjust. And I don't know how many test cuts I did that day. I did so many just to see if I could figure out exactly why I could not get that one spot to cut. And after a lot of, of trial and error, it still wasn't cutting. So I had to, you know, I got, I had to keep going forward. So <laughs> I doubled up everything. And then that way we knew that even if I couldn't finish weeding something, I had a backup and that saved me time as well. But how would you know that? Right. If you don't know and, and play around with it. Yeah. So if you, if you were you know, looking ahead to lots of people will be starting to already be in the kind of event season now for sports and music festivals and things coming up, what would be your main advice for someone who's gearing up to be going to a festival or a big event and they're going to be taking heat press and either vinyl or transfers with them? What would be your, your biggest advice for them to get ready and to be prepared for such an occasion? So first and foremost would be under like finding a system and that's going to work for you. Now, what you might be practicing in your office, your house, wherever prepping for that event could easily be a complete 180, right? But going through the experience of, okay, let's try this size with um, this name, this number, this letter, figuring out and making sure that it's going to work a hundred percent in terms of what you think it will. So if you've given somebody the opportunity to have three colors, what's it going to be like when you have to rotate that material in and out three different times every five minutes? Um, So figure out how that's going to work. Do you even like bringing your cutter or would, you know, something like pre-cuts work best because then you can just grab what you need. They're super affordable and you don't have to worry about that extra equipment, but don't look at it as wasting material as you're going through that trial and testing. Look at it as you are trying to perfect your system, because if you perfect it ahead of time, it'll save you way more time on the back end. Second would be consider the size of material that you're you're taking. A 20-inch, 50-yard roll sounds fantastic in terms of making sure you have enough material, but that's that's a big piece of material to lift on and off, especially if you're getting an order every two minutes. Um, so that's where, you know, the sheets, I was like, maybe it just makes more sense to feed in the sheets and it, and it worked great. Um, the other thing is I would say, If you do not have transfers to just pick, so like screen printed transfers or already cut transfers, 100% have a second person that can basically match you. Because if you have an emergency, if you have to do something, 
who's going to replace you or at least take over for a moment. That way you don't come back and now it's like heads in the sand trying to figure out what to do next. Um, you know, it was great to have a person there to weed, but if I was on the cutter trying to do tech, tech issues, then we stopped the flow of the heat press. So that's just the other thing is like, have a backup, even if it means they run and get you food, yeah. <laughs> have a backup. <laughs> it could be a friendly face to those people while you're on the phone trying to fix it as well, can't they? Yes. Yeah. Now there were two people that were there uh, taking orders. Then it was myself and, you know, Dustin doing the back inside of it. Now, Dustin got there later than what I did. They even opened the fan experience earlier. So we, you know, I was planning to work from two to eight on both days. But uh, day one, I worked from like 11 to almost nine. So, you know, that's that's another thing. If they change the time, then you've got to calculate your time into that as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, it's and have ultra color max is there. You know, be selfishly, we've got to talk about ourselves because it's not the only occasion. Even recently, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say who the the other thing was, but on our internal email that goes around went around this morning, there was a large music festival in the US that needed, I think, twenty thousand transfers, and they needed them the next day. Oh. Um, and they're like, but that was a make or break for them, whether they could get styles to print them for them. Sure. And they, they did it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the beauty of being able to get it from anywhere, right? Because yeah. I'm very much a, in a situation like that, you got to do what you got to do as a business owner to get the job done. Yeah. So you will either know those companies that will help and support you, or you've got to have those plan B, C's and Z's in, in your back pocket. And the, the beautiful thing was we knew that there was a, an emergency need for the Chiefs logo. We got approval. Um, you know, we got approval from Chiefs and the NFL to use the logo. So what was our solution? Day one was to do a one color logo. And we had plenty of time to overnight a three color logo because we didn't need thousands. You know, we needed, say, a hundred to get us to get us through the rest of the day, uh, or excuse me, the, the event. And in that particular case, we were able to, to push it through 20,000. I don't, you know, I have probably <laughs> been crying in the corner trying to apply. Off <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you got to do what's, what you got to do. And if it means it costs a little bit money so you can have a higher return, then you've got to look ahead, not just what's happening right in front of you. That's similar to what you said about the whole when you're testing on materials, don't look at it as waste because it saves you time. But it also, in a way, saves you money because how much material on the day are you going to waste getting things wrong or having to do things again versus the meter or two that you might use up in testing? You know, it's when you think about it like that, it's, yeah, the, the cost for stuff like that is quite minimal, isn't it? It is. And I mean, we all have scraps or most people have scraps laying around for something. So in those particular times, if you're like, man, I don't really want to use the roll that I'm going to be cutting with, then cut on whatever color, whatever material, just to check out the process and then hone in on what your material is and, and you know, figure out all of that. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's a process you have to figure out, not just, 
your material that you're applying, right? This is a, a very personalized situation and it's going to require a lot of moving parts. That's it. And it's, you know, make sure you make sure you practice and practice runs because that way you can find out exactly how long everything's going to take. And then maybe some things that will go wrong will go wrong before you even leave the house that way as well. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> One can hope that there will be no issues, but I am very much a, the type of person that's like something will always go wrong. So what is going to go wrong and, and do you have a solution for it? So, yeah. Oh, it always does at events, doesn't it? There's there's always something. I remember, oh. I mean, it's it's minimal compared to what you dealt with recently at that boss event. But um, when we were at Premier and Promotion back in February, when we were filming, the main piece of equipment that we film on just decided to pack up and, and not work. And we were like, that's it for three days. We don't have an, another like gimbal with us. Yeah. Like that was that was it. Um, and I, I thank the Lord to this day that we had a camera with like stabilization built into it. So we managed to salvage most of the footage. Oh. But I went with such a plan of everything I was going <laughs> to do. And then we got there on day one and it just gave up. And I was like, okay. Yeah. But I mean, not the same thing, but there's always something, even something, if it's not yeah. what you think it's going to mm. be. Like the most reliable piece of equipment that we've ever owned <laughs> was the one <laughs> thing that went wrong on the day. Yeah, I was um, this close. <laughs> I, was, I was two minutes away from driving home, actually, and getting the cutter that I the cutter that I have in studio because I know it works. I knew, you know, it's like it's my trusty friend. I could call on her when I needed, and um, you know, the fact that we didn't. Let's see. I think I was done around nine o'clock that day that evening. Um, by the time I got an Uber, you know, back to the hotel, tried to order some food, but Jimmy John's was taking an hour. At that point, it was like a, almost 11 o'clock. And I just thought, I'm not going to drive home and then drive back and get this cutter and then have to repeat the entire day in seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> but I already had a solution. So I had an, I had a plan one and then um, I had a plan to just to make sure, but not everybody is always going to have extra equipment at home. So if there's any chance that you can have a, uh, event equipment, you know, maybe you do a little bit smaller of a press in terms of size. Maybe you have a backup cutter, like a cameo or, um, you know, a cricket, anything that can help you because if you go down, your press is your bread and butter. And if you don't have your butter to put on your bread, then what are you going to do? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I think that's kind of it. That was, that was the main thing I really wanted to talk to you about today. But uh, one of the things I did want to uh, mention was, and I'm kicking myself because I've forgotten their name, but there was a really interesting uh, interview that you did the other week on the Heat Press of Profit podcast on the Styles channel with a gentleman and he was talking about uh, localization, how he'd spread his business out, just starting off doing local uh, schools and colleges. So I just wondered if you, you could just give us, um, just if you could just, apologies, I forgot his name, but I just wanted to get, make sure everyone went back and listened to that episode because I thought he was a really interesting guy um, and just learnt, hearing about how he'd grown his business, just literally like more or less going from mile to mile to mile outside of the one space he was on. Was, was it really Gary weird. or was it um, one of the like several 
months ago, I say several months ago, but we're in May. But um, was it, was he, did he do events? Gary was last, last week. I think it was the one before that. Okay. Um, so um, did he have a, a, a pop-up trailer where he popped up at events? Yes. You know, okay. Yeah. So um, he actually started uh, pressing for churches and then That's kind it, of grew yeah. into sports and then it just kind of continuously transformed. And now he pops up. Um, he has a, a trailer that he's built, you know, turned inside out and customized it to where he travels with a press. Um, I think he actually has a print cut in there. If he doesn't, it's just a standard cutter. I can't remember 100%. But, you know, he's created this business where he pops up. He's got a certain um, number of decoration options. He uses screen printed transfers, but anything he needs to do custom wise, you know, he's cutting on the spot with vinyl. And um, now he's the little league. So it might be you know, something that he's at for multiple hours. It's just not one game or pop up for high schools. And when he's, when he's empty, he's empty. And if he sells out, then, um, you know, he might have opportunity for ordering at another date, but he's also created that sense of urgency, right? Like I've got to get over to his, his trailer. And if I don't get the piece that I want, then it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, really recommend everyone going back and listening to the episode because I thought it was really interesting. He's quite a character as well, so yes. it, made for, it made for a really good chat, I thought. Um, but yeah, I just well, that's it, kind of. So thank you very much. Don't forget to go and check out the Styles TV channel on YouTube if you haven't already because Kelly has lots of fantastic videos on there which will definitely help you with your education. Um, if you enjoyed listening to this, if you're on Apple or Spotify, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on there. Or if you're on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and like this video so you can be the first to know about the next podcast. But thank you very much, Kelly, for joining us. Thanks, today. Kelly. Yeah, Andy, Molly, you guys have a great rest of the day, and thanks for inviting me back.